Good morning. Today's scripture reading comes from 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11. Finally, brothers and sisters, goodbye. Aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning and welcome to Zachary United Methodist Church. If you're new to our online worship services, we welcome you. And we hope that you are blessed and you're encouraged by your time with us today. Now, this week, as I was flipping through the channels on the television set, I um, actually came across some inspiration for today's sermon. As I was uh, scanning the channels, uh, trying to find something worthwhile to watch, I came across a professional baseball game. And of course, it was a rerun because we cannot yet gather by the thousands in crowded stadiums. And um, I have to admit, it was kind of nostalgic watching people sitting together in great crowds and doing things that we can't do right now. But there was this scene that I've seen played out countless times in professional sports. It's when, at a critical moment in the game, uh, there's a timeout called to go discuss things with the coach. Uh, this scene in baseball often looks like this. It's the bottom of the ninth, and the game is on the line. You have runners on the base, and you got a power hitter that comes up to the plate to bat. Suddenly, the manager makes his way out of the dugout toward the pitcher's mound. And he's not coming out to take the pitcher out of the game or anything. He's coming to talk with him. And the manager and the pitcher have this private conversation with each other on the mound. And then finally, um, the manager makes his way back to the dugout. And then in a perfect game, the pitcher strikes the batter out with three pitches and saves the day. It's a familiar scene. But have you ever wondered what really takes place on that pitcher's mound between the manager and the pitcher? What they talk about? I've always wondered about this. And I have to wonder, does the manager go out there and say, Hey, hey Max, um, are you getting any cell service out here? Because, man, we're not getting anything in the dugout. <laughs> That's probably not what they're talking about. And he probably doesn't say, Hey, Joe, I just wanted to remind you before I forget that me and the guys, we're all going to get together for a pizza party after the game. And just want to make sure you didn't forget about that. That's probably not what takes place either. It's probably something more along the lines of, Hey, buddy. I just wanted to remind you that this guy, he, he likes the balls low and inside. So please avoid trying to throw one of those balls because, you know, he does bad things with those balls. Uh, in fact, he has trouble with sliders. So why don't you try to mix in a few of those and uh, see if you can't get him to strike at those. Just remember, just remember you have struck this guy out several times before. So you just do your thing, man. You pitch your game here. You got this. Probably something like that, more like that happens in that situation. It's in those kind of situations that managers, good managers, tell their pitchers what they need to hear in that moment and what they need to remember about that batter at that time. And I think this is true in other areas of our lives. Some of the best advice, some of the best coaching that I have received have been those words of wisdom and those words of encouragement offered in the moment. As in, this is what you need to remember and what you need to focus on right now. 
And it's often those last few words that are spoken by a person that uh, carry the greatest weight and have the most impact and significance because it's often those are the words that you need to hear the most at that time. Well, for me, that's a good analogy of what's really taking place in this passage of Scripture that we have before us today. It's the final section of the verses in Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church. In both of these letters, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Paul has been dealing with some rather weighty matters. I mean, the church at Corinth was in turmoil in many ways. And yet all through it, Paul is encouraging them. He's, he's uh, encouraging them to remember what is most important. He's affirming them. He's saying to them, you know, folks, you got this. Remember, you are God's people. And God is going to be with you. And God is going to walk alongside of you all the way to the very end. And then in this final verse of 2 Corinthians, Paul gives them some last-minute coaching instructions to help them to remember what they need to do in that moment and each day that they face. And today we're going to see how these timeless words of the Apostle Paul really offer us, I think, three priorities that uh, can guide us to the times that we're facing right now and how they can help us stay focused on being the people that God calls us to be each and every day of our lives. In verse 11, Paul says, as his farewell to them, Finally, brothers and sisters, goodbye. Aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. In these final words, the Apostle Paul speaks to the Corinthian church. I think that he highlights three areas of focus that we should make as our lifelong priorities. And the first area of priority is that we should be always reaching. Reaching for what? Well, Paul says we should aim for perfection. Now, to a perfectionist like myself, <laughs> that's music to my ears. Because we should all be striving for perfection, right? Uh, there's a story that's been told about several different professional football players, uh, so I'm really not sure if this is actually true or not, but my favorite version of the story has to deal with the legendary Reggie White. At the end of each practice, it's said that when the runners would get together to go run their wind sprints, Reggie didn't want to run with the other defensive linemen. Instead, he wanted to run with the quarterback and the safety group. And he was asked one day, well, why do you want to run with those guys that are so much faster than you? He said, well, that's the point. I run with them because they push me to work harder. And if you notice, I'm losing by a little less each time. Well, as I said, that story may be fictional, uh, but it makes for a great point. Our goal in life, our objective and our priority in life is to strive for perfection in all that we do. And, and I'm not talking about being perfect in the uh, literal sense of that word. No, nobody can. What I'm talking about is that we should always be striving, that we should always be trying to be better today than we were yesterday. And in other translations, we find that this verse is translated as aim for maturity. In other words, we should always seeking to be growing in our character, growing in our spiritual maturity. A question that we should always be asking ourselves is, am I 
more mature this year than I was last year? Am I more mature emotionally and spiritually in the way that I relate with others and my ability to handle discouragement and discouraging times and difficult moments in life? David Glass, the former CEO of Walmart, says this about his uh, boss, uh, Sam Walton. He said, there's never been a day in his life since I have known him that he didn't improve in some way. This should be our goal as well. For as disciples of Jesus Christ, we should always be moving in the direction of improvement. We should always be striving to become more like Jesus every day of our lives. Paul's phrase, aim for perfection here, is often translated in other uh, translations as put things in order. I, I love that phrase because it's like Paul is saying, you keep working on you. And I think that's important because as long as you're working on you, who are you not working on? Everybody else around you, right? <laughs> you see, there are some people who are never able to strive for perfection in their lives or maturity because they're always focused on what everybody else is doing and everybody else's faults and shortcomings. And yet we know in the Bible we're taught over and over again that before we begin to judge others or condemn others or even try to correct other people, we need to be taking a hard look at our own lives. We need to be doing everything we can to put our own house in order. And I think this is especially true in the times that we're living in today. As people seem to be so focused on the faults and the shortcomings of everybody else around them. It's as if people are saying, maybe they won't realize what a mess my life is in if I spend all my time talking about how wrong that politician is or how bad that group of people are, and, and on and on it goes. <clears throat> Paul's last-minute instructions to the Corinthian church was to aim for perfection in their Christian living. It was to put your own life in order and always reaching to become better today than you were yesterday, to become more like Christ, more holy in your living each and every day and all that you do. As the writer of Hebrews said, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. That's the first priority I think we need to adopt each and every day. The second one I think is closely related to it, and it is that we need to be always listening, always learning. Paul's exact words were, listen to my appeal. Notice that Paul didn't say, obey my appeal. And he didn't say, uh, accept my appeal without any further discussion. No, instead he says, listen to what I have said. In other words, weigh it out. Think it through. But clearly, Paul believes that if people would just listen to what he says, they would see the wisdom of his teaching. And I think this is an important step when it comes to spiritual maturity and spiritual growth. The Christian life, and you know, I think any aspect of life for that matter, is not a process of being spoon-fed everything you need to believe and think. Now, there are a lot of people who actually want that. But that was never what discipleship was meant to be. Growing in the Christian life is a process of listening and learning. It is the quality of being teachable. It is the opposite of knowing all there is to know about everything. 
or having the final word on any and every subject. A disciple is a student, as a student is willing to listen and to learn. That's why Paul says, listen to my appeal. For when you listen, you learn. In a blog post that Bill Gates wrote a couple of years ago, he said that today as a billionaire philanthropist in his 60s, there are some questions that he asked himself that would have been laughable when he was in his 20s. And one of the questions he says he asks himself on a daily basis is, did I learn enough new things today? Now, if anyone could claim to be a know-it-all, perhaps Bill Gates could. And yet, we find that he says learning something new is a priority for his life every day. In the first chapter of Proverbs, King Solomon, the Bill Gates of his day, wrote, Let the wise listen and add to their learning. As Paul says, Having a closed mind and then thinking that we know it all is not how we should live. We should always be listening. We should always be learning. And the third priority that we are to try to adopt and focus on in this life as followers of Jesus Christ is that we should strive to always live in peace. Paul says, be of one mind. Live in peace. What needed words these are for the times we're living in today. I mean, these truly seem to be countercultural words for the world we're living in today, don't they? It almost seems like it's an absurd goal to strive for in the world we're living in today. And yet, like Paul, I believe that this is the way that Jesus commands us to live. This is how we are to demonstrate life to other people, that we should strive to live together in peace. Paul says that we are to be of one mind. Does that mean that we're all supposed to think exactly alike? Of course not. It means that as we listen to one another, as we learn, as we think through things together, then we are able to come to a consensus of ideas. Not because someone is telling us how we're supposed to think and what we're supposed to believe, but because together we've been able to listen and learn from one another. Being of one mind doesn't mean that we all have the same opinion. But it does mean that we try to get to the same big picture that we're able to see. We're trying to find that common ground when it comes to shared values and priorities in life. As John Wesley once said, Though we cannot think alike, may we not love alike? I think that's exactly what it means to be of one mind, in Paul's words. And part of that shared vision that we should all strive to is that we should strive to live in peace with each other. A couple years later, the Apostle Paul would write in his letter to the Romans, If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And in Romans 14:19, he says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. You know, God places a high priority on people living together in peace, and so should we. And we're living in a time when um, trying to get along with each other and living together in peace has never been more difficult and yet more needed. People today are on edge, with good reason. People today are, are stressed out, uh, they're, they're worried, they're afraid, and, and all with good reason. 
But it's up to you and to me to do our best to bring peace into every potentially tense situation and every potentially tense conversation that we have. As Eleanor Roosevelt once said, it isn't enough to just talk about peace. One must believe in it. And it isn't enough to believe in it. One must work at it. I think our words ring true, not only when it comes to politics or our disagreements or differing opinions over how we're to handle this pandemic we're living in, but it's true when it comes to every aspect of our life, every relationship that we have. And for Jesus, this was not just a, a casual suggestion. This is his expectation. It was a top priority of the Christian life. As the former first lady said, we need to work at it to make it happen. For when we do, the Apostle Paul says, the God of love and peace will be with you. What a wonderful promise that is. That when we strive for these things, the God of love and peace will be in our midst. And isn't that what we all really long for? Especially in the times we're living in today? So, it's the bottom of the ninth, and the game is on the line. The manager is making his way out of the dugout toward the pitcher's mound to give you some final advice, some in-the-moment instructions. And in this case, the um, manager is the Apostle Paul, and the pitcher's mound is your daily life. What is going to be the last-minute Sermon on the Mound for Paul, it is keep reaching, keep listening and learning, keep striving to live in peace. I think those are the top priorities that we need to focus on in this moment of our lives. And just imagine what your life could be like if you really considered those words, those final words of the Apostle Paul every morning, before every decision you make, before every meeting you have that I want my life to be this way, always reaching for perfection in my Christian living, always learning something new, and always striving to live in peace with one another. If we will make this our priority in life, we have the promise that the God of love and peace will be with us. And the world around you can be changed for the better. May it be so. Let us pray. Gracious God, we confess that it's hard to stay focused in the midst of these times. It's really hard to know what to focus on with our world turned upside down as it is. I thank you, God, for these final words of the Apostle Paul. They remind us of what we need to be focusing on at this crucial and confusing time in our lives. Help us to realize that, above all else, our goal in life is to strive to become more like Jesus in our living each day. That we all have the capacity to learn and to grow as your disciples, and that you call us to be your instruments of peace in the midst of a world that desperately needs it right now. So, Lord God, fill us. Guide us with your Holy Spirit to live into these days as your disciples. 
I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.